right. perfect. So yeah, now do we have to, I, I sometimes keep thinking, do we need to clap for this? Cause I know we're on zoom, but <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anyways, welcome everybody to Creatives Grab Coffee. Today we welcome Maddie O'Shaughnessy, an executive producer at Impossible Studios based out of Toronto. With her past experiences at Ogilvy and Momentum, to name a few, she Ogilvy. has shot and produced Ogilvy. Ogilvy, sorry. <laughs> uh, she has shot and produced commercial projects all over the world for brands such as Buick, Dove, Shoppers Drug Mart, and many more. Welcome, Maddie. Hi. <laughs> How are you? We're doing great. Uh, you just mentioned before we uh, uh, we started recording that you just got back from uh, Uruguay for a commercial project. So how did that go? Yeah, it went really, really, really well. I uh, I had actually shot in Uruguay over the pandemic when we weren't allowed to travel. Um, so that was obviously tricky, like working with the company over there. And like, you know, we were all stuck here in Toronto trying to do the whole thing over Zoom. Um, so this time a project came through, it had to be summer in our spot and it's obviously not summer in Toronto yet. Um, there was some talk of maybe exploring Vancouver, but it's just so tough with spring weather, the chances of you actually getting a sunny day and like leaves on trees and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we took it as an opportunity to head down to Uruguay and like the price difference was about the same to get the same stuff done. So it worked out really well. We got to meet everyone in person that we'd worked with over Zoom last time. Uh, and their uh, Uruguay is actually known for um, their steak, so they do like really great beef meals. Okay. <laughs> so we like basically went to Uruguay for a week. We shot for a day and we ate a bunch of steak that was like cooked on like open fires. It was amazing. <laughs> wow! So you only went down for just one day? Uh, one, week. Was... one week. One week. Oh, one week. Oh, okay. One you said week. One okay. day. <laughs> Yeah, one, one, no, no. Uh, yeah, we, I heard one, one day, day shoot. Like, <laughs> one, one day, day travel, one day for one the day shoot. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. The uh, the travel's way too long to do it just for one day. It's like uh, you fly out of Toronto. Copa Airlines was fantastic. I will highly recommend. Um, but you fly out of Toronto to Panama City is kind of like the the hub that everyone flies into and out of, um, and that flight's about six six and a half hours. Um, and then you fly from Panama City to Uruguay, which is like another seven-ish hours. So you're looking at like a 14, 15-hour travel day. It's not like a, you know, hop on, get there right away. No big deal. Like, we'll text scout this afternoon once I'm there. Like, no, no, it is a travel day. <laughs> I can't believe it's that, that far away. It doesn't feel like it It should take 15 hours to get there. That's almost a full no. day. <laughs> I know it's wild too. <laughs> I know just directly down. They, the nice thing is though, for anyone who doesn't travel too, they're also on almost the same time zone as us. So like I've also done shoots in like Spain or like Australia or something. Australia is the hardest one. The time zone is just the exact opposite. Um, so like that's really annoying because you have to work until like, you know, five o'clock in the morning. But uh, yeah, Iroquois is really, they're only one hour, I think, ahead of us. I always get it backwards. But I think they're like, yeah, one hour ahead of us. So we did. I didn't like miss any emails or have to be like, sorry, I'm in another time zone. Like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I have <laughs> a friend nice. down in Australia and it's always so hard to schedule calls with them because they're, they're plus 12 hours. No, they're plus 14 hours, something like that. So it's, it was 15. I think it was 15 or 15 so. hours. So it's like when it's daytime here, it's nighttime there. So it's always... Yeah tricky it's wild they wake up at like five like they start work at like 5 p.m 6 p.m our time depending on how early they wake up so you're just like any feedback you get from clients all day you're like well i'll let you know what they say at 6 p.m thank you <laughs> but i did a shoot once where the production company was in australia the client was in the uk and we were in toronto so there was not a single hour of the day where we were all working at the same time no. That, one was, sleeping. that <laughs> one was a poor decision <laughs> how, how did that how does that team come together you know i mean when you never well i mean obviously that's, through emails but, <laughs> i mean like in terms of like here in toronto you know a lot of us work with people closely within uh, our own um our own networks, you know, maybe some people in other parts of the country, but never really in such taking little pieces of uh, uh, of the whole project and like having from all over the world that you only usually hear that for, you know, big budget uh, 
uh, studio movies or something like that, you know, where they have teams all over the world. Like, how does how does one manage all that? So I uh, before I switched over to working at Impossible, the last uh, account I was on at an agency was a global account. It was a global client. So they actually required like when we did a shoot, like I had to explore directors all over the world. So some of those directors would be word of mouth, you know, so-and-so had worked with so-and-so before or so-and-so lived in South America before and this is who they worked with and that kind of stuff. Um, but my dirty little secret that, you know, I'm sure uh, I probably shouldn't be saying, but whatever. A lot of the time, like I'll end up Googling like production companies in other countries and then I'll just do like a vetting call with them. So I'll call them and I make sure that like, you know, Obviously, their director's reels will somewhat speak for the uh, work that they're capable of doing. But then, like, you know, do you use the same budgeting system as us? You know, can you take us through a pre-production meeting? Do you have access to this camera and this gear and whatever? And, like, if they can answer those questions, they obviously know what they're talking about. Um, so for the most part, yeah, like, ideally word of mouth. And then occasionally when I'm in a real situation, it ends up, you know, I'll find people on Google or Instagram as actually also a big one, and then I'll just have a vetting call with them. Look, as I, long I'm as really you do a vetting, what you're, sorry, I was gonna say I'm really curious to see exactly what kind of vetting questions you ask. <laughs> That's really <laughs> interesting. Like you're mentioning running through the running them through, like run me through your pre-production meeting. I was like, oh, okay. If someone asked me that, I'd be like, uh. Uh, I really have to think about right? it. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's good, and it's very important to to be able to vet the talent that you um, that you're going to bring on for your projects. And it doesn't really matter necessarily where you find them. You know, obviously the obviously Google, Instagram uh, is not always the most uh, uh, you know the most uh, how do you say uh, ideal way. You obviously want to uh, get word of mouth from people and recommendations that have worked with these people before. But sometimes you just have to do it. You have to hustle. You have to find talent in certain ways. And if you can vet them and they seem like they will be really good for the project, then what's what's the what's the risk in working with them, right? Exactly. You have to start somewhere with every person you ever work with. It's not like you can always have worked with everyone in the past. There, There's always going to be new people. And like, especially when it comes to like directors and production companies, before we award the job, we go through a whole treatment process. So they have to do an entire treatment with us. There's, you know, they take us through everything. There's we vet all of their estimates and, you know, everything we're going to go through. So it's not like, you know, we're like, hey, I saw you online. You look great. Let's do this job. Here's $500,000. It's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're going to, you know, go through this really strict process. You're going to answer all of our questions. You're going to put together a treatment of exactly how you're going to shoot our commercial, all this kind of stuff. We have multiple calls, all this stuff. And then once everyone's comfortable, then we move forward. So I think it'd be a little scarier if we were just willy-nilly handing out money and signing off on things before we really went through the process but well i can imagine because you guys are also dealing with like half a million million dollar budget so yeah you do need to know the abcs of everything at that point oh yeah for sure and like it is like obviously like that when you look at the total budget altogether, it seems like such a huge number. But then once you actually like siphon it out to all the different people that need it and all the different things you're going to be doing and how many hours everyone's working on the project, it's crazy how fast all that money gets eaten, like eaten up. And like, you know, there's never enough money to go around. It doesn't matter if your project is a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. The creative always reflects that. And then you end up being like, so I think we need more money. <laughs> 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 wow. Um, you mentioned in your vetting process, there are certain questions you typically ask. What are some of the, the key things that you look for when you're vetting talent that automatically is a surefire sign that this is person, someone that we can work with? So when we go into the product, like I'll do a pre-call with them and I'll ask them more production related questions. That's more for like the, whether or not their production company can, you know, get us exactly what we need. Um, but then we'll do a call with the creatives and the director and the creatives will, you know, look for certain things from that director as well and kind of make sure they're saying the right things. So on the production end of things, you know, I depending it's dependent a lot on the job, you know, like I'm not going to ask whether or not you have a drone person that you work with if we're not using a drone in the shoot. But if we are, I'm going to make sure that, you know, it's more done drone stuff before. It's more technical, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, like, you know, 
chances are like for the most part you know you can use any camera but for the most part you know we're looking at an Alexa we're looking at you know some anamorphics or cook lenses or something like that so like I want to make sure that you have access to those kind of things um, and then I want to make sure when I go through your budget that I'm seeing all the right stuff so one of the really interesting things that I've found working all over the world is that the budgeting is so similar so we use something at Impossible called a point zero budget. Um, the other one uh, that's used more in the US, but it's the exact same thing, is called hot budgets. Um, and almost no matter where I've gone in the world, it's the same budget. So it's the same line items in the same spots. They do the exact same thing. So if I see that budget, I usually am like, okay, you've done this before. You know what you're talking about. I can see all the lines I need to see. This is great. So it's a process of, you know, do they have access to the kind of equipment or people that I think we'll need? Do they understand how to put together a budget? And then when we get into the creative side of things, um, it's more, what does the director understand? So one of the things that we see a lot that I actually will caution like some of our directors against is so many directors want to put like the 60 second spot on their reel. They want to put the two minutes of, you know, great work that they've done on their reel. But at the end of the day, most commercials these days are 15 seconds, like almost 30 seconds are almost becoming rare. So, so many creative teams want to understand, can you actually put together a commercial in 15 seconds? It's so great that you can do a two minute spot, but can you do a 15? Can you tell an entire story in 15 seconds? Because that's a huge part of it. Um, and, you know, almost every time, I don't think I've ever gotten a 15 second script where I've been like, yeah, this is actually 15 seconds. This is going to fit perfectly. Wow, you guys did it. So it's always great when you hear like the director come on and they're like, look, I timed it out. This is sitting at 25 seconds. So, you know, we're going to have to talk about how we actually shoot this. If there's anything we can speed up, like, you know, what are you willing to lose on the cutting floor? And if we can have those conversations beforehand, it just makes the editing process so much easier. So understanding 15 second cuts, understanding, you know, whatever genre we're in, they should know that. So like, do you understand how to shoot comedy? Do you understand how to shoot beauty? Do you understand how to shoot a montage anthem? Like, see, you see those things on their reel, but when you actually talk to them, like, you know, do they talk about how that's going to happen? So little things like that is kind of what we vet with directors. So it's, it's not necessarily an exact specific list of questions that I have on my computer, but it's very job based. Do you understand what we're doing? Because I figure hopefully at this point in my career, I understand what we're doing. So if they can answer my questions, then, you know, they obviously know what they're talking about. Yeah, we found over the years that reels are never fully indicative of the person's actual capabilities. We used to, when we first got into the industry, we thought, oh, wow, we have to get a killer reel together. Oh, this person's reel is amazing. We think he'll do a great job. There was one case where we hired this one DP who had an amazing reel, very narrative-based work, creative shots, really cool-looking shots, great storytelling. But then when we put up for a corporate shoot, we thought a corporate shoot would be very easy for him at that point. And we realized, oh, and when we looked at the footage after we realized, oh no, this this wasn't uh, this wasn't the right hire. We should have done a little bit more of a vetting process. So ever since then, now we look at very specific projects according to the tasks and role that, roles that we're hiring. I think she froze. Uh, by the way, I just really, yeah, I knew oh, really? it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted to finish the point just so we have a clean a clean cut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I should cut this. It's pretty funny with you laughing. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to get a clean sound boy. I told you. Point. I told you. You didn't update your Zoom client. It was bound yeah. to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It, it froze on you listening very intently. So I finished the sound bite before <laughs> you mentioning. And honestly, it's flowing so well. I'm I'm debating whether I should cut this part out or not. <laughs> no, don't don't cut this. Don't cut this. This is staying in. This is this is golden. What what was the last bit that you heard from me? By the, the way, literal last word I heard was "Oh wow!" and then it cut. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay, just to kind of give you a quick summary, of what we were mentioning was uh, uh, vetting talent is very key, and and um, 
and people's reels are never fully indicative of what their capabilities are. We used to uh, hire and uh, judge people based on their reels. And there was one situation where we hired a DP who was a very uh, creative uh, shooter, had great narrative work that he was presenting. And we thought a corporate shoot should be no big deal for him. Right. That was on us because if they mainly do narrative work, what made us think that they could do corporate work? Because they are two different. (laughs) They are two different things. Apples and, you know, this was early. This was back in 2015. We were maybe a year or so in the industry. And um, and then when we saw the footage afterwards, we realized, oh, no, they're they're not that experienced in, in corporate. Okay, from now on, we have to ask for people specific projects that they have done similar to the job that we're hiring so that we know that they're actually capable of doing it and we can trust them to do a good job. So vetting is so important in this process. And I feel sometimes people don't do enough of that. I've seen many projects where you could tell that the talent was never vetted and they just threw it together really quickly. And you know, you're very experienced that where if you can put it all together really quickly, if you're experienced, you can get all that stuff done in shorter period, shorter time periods. The uh, the one thing that like always is a little iffy about someone's reel is like technically it's their best work like that is the best of the best but it the other piece of that is are they consistent in that best work and you can't always see that from their reel like they may have five amazing spots on their reel but then they've got twenty that were like pure garbage that they won't show anyone <laughs> so you never know if it's like, are they consistent or is it hit and miss and you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And you also never know like how, like how, how involved they were within that project. Cause it's like, there's in, in like, you know, when you create a video, it's not just one person being a dictator and just saying, this is my vision. This is what we're doing. There's so many different voices that are putting their input in. And like, again, behind every video, there's like the work of, dozens of people that were involved within that project so you never know like okay was it fully their vision or like what what was their input what wasn't what was demanded what was done so that's another thing you have to kind of figure out and I I can't even imagine how tricky it must be on your end because it's like yeah like the real is someone's best work you don't know like how many duds they had maybe before they got that one cool one so referrals is always like your key point but if you're not going based on referrals like oh I'd be stressing I'd be <laughs> I'd be worried up until like that project is locked in <laughs> especially, especially when you're hiring a director or even a DP uh, to put together the vision for a half a million dollar project where everyone else can do an amazing job in their role but if the director was uh, or sorry if the if the DP accidentally lit everything too intensely then everything else all that work is just gone for nothing at that point but then i guess no. if you are at that level you are pretty much you, you don't get to that level i guess by being bad you know you don't oh, make of course, it to that of course. so i think by that but then i, I guess at that point it's kind of like it's like being i don't know maybe at the bottom of like a doctor's class you know it's like it's still still pretty yeah. good place to be like, you might be the worst doctor but still a doctor right the one with the lowest yeah. score in med school is still a doctor at the end of the day. <laughs> like the uh the risk is so much greater i find on smaller budget shoots because yeah when we're doing the larger budget shoots like we're working with people that you know they're the best of the best because we can give them the money that they require to do the shoot but in smaller budget things you know you're taking a little bit more of a risk already because it's someone who's willing to do it for a smaller budget so it's a little bit more risky on smaller budget things on the larger budget things i think i've always had it like it just it always works out everyone knows what they're doing and it's all good the uh the smaller budget ones though are trickier (laughs) you're saying we have to charge more to, yeah. to seem more trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's a, there's a saying to that as well. I mean, if there have been times where Dario and I have put out uh, talent calls for uh, videographers or editors, and a lot of the time we found ourselves looking at the uh, budgets of, of people who are doing, for example, 800 to 1500 day rates or something like that, because we know that is usually the standard for people who know what they're doing. If someone is saying, Oh, I can, I can shoot your entire commercial for $150. Then that's a red flag. Like, Don't do like, it. Like, that's do that's it. a red flag right there. Like, it's, it, it, it doesn't cost that much. <laughs> that little, you mean? No. Or yeah, sorry, that little. <laughs> yeah. 150, I'll do it for 50. <laughs> oh, God. 
no, definitely, definitely not worth it. Like you, you absolutely get what you pay for it, which is, you know, it is what it is. I don't think anyone's like, oh, you know, we don't have to pay that much. Like, it's great. It still works out just as good. You can see the difference in like, you know, the digital spots people put out and then like the Super Bowl spots, like they're just not the same. <laughs> the uh, other thing I always look for on DP's reels, because I've been burned on smaller budget things with this. If all of the spots on their reel are shot outside, red flag. It's oh, so much interesting. easier to outside yeah. than it is lighter lighting. Yeah. yeah. They don't know how, yeah, because it means they don't know how to use lighting if they're not showing any indoor stuff. Oh, interesting. Exactly. So little things yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. If you need someone though who's really good with just outdoor type projects, okay, maybe. But if right, it's a yeah. studio shoot, then you mm -hmm. have to you have to show examples of how you incorporated a, a studio system with the lighting and everything. Uh, one one for another one for example is uh, specifically green screen projects those are so so uh not They're niche a whole different world of lighting yeah. it is so yeah. specific to be able to light your subject away from lighting the green screen and like understanding how to separate them and how to make sure like it works out in the vfx in the end and if it's not your niche it is not your niche <laughs> Yeah, don't don't say you can do green screen if you've done it once or twice, uh, <laughs> especially if it's something very massive. Uh, you need full on, you need full on green screen studios in order to do something, especially if you need to do a full body type thing. Like occasionally, yeah. we Dara and I get projects where it's uh, like having like corporate clients who need to be, you know, maybe just like the waist up, and then we can get away with bringing our own green screen for those types of projects. But if it's something more uh, more complicated and uh, like a whole other ball game, you know, where it has to be with other VFX that plays into it, then yeah, it, <laughs> there, there needs to be more that goes into it. Oh, for sure. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. what, what are some other things uh, uh, that you've learned over the years by doing all of these international type projects? Like what is like something that you've learned that you, you know, like a, like, like a key tip that, uh, you know, you always hold with you uh, uh, for future projects. Um, one of the things that I always do, um, especially if I'm working with a team that I haven't worked with a bunch before, um, especially creatives, um, is, you know, they have their website, they have their reel, they have their Instagram. That's great. Um, I'll go on Vimeo and search them on Vimeo because so many creative creatives keep like all of their spots on Vimeo or like you know, the post-production companies will tag them on Vimeo in spots. And then I can see any spots that they maybe haven't chosen to post on their reel uh, or on their website, yeah. um, just to get a better sense of like, you know, what other kind of stuff are they doing? Um, so I will always go search people on Vimeo. Um, or one of the things I've done, speaking of Vimeo, just on like the flip side of that, is I've also gone into jobs where the creative team is using you know certain references for something or like you know this is the spot we really like um we want to do something similar to this or client may have a reference for the type of spot they want it to be i'll also go on vimeo and i'll search that spot to see if i can figure out who directed the original um, and depending on our budget depending on you know whether or not they're wrapped in canada or not we can always look at shooting with that same director if they're using that as the reference anyways so that's sometimes also how I've found some of my international directors is based off the references the creative team sent over. Oh wow! So, uh, like, how do you have? Win. How do you have that conversation? We like that reference video you sent over. We're gonna work with those guys. Instead. Yeah, I'll just like I'll well like uh, we can do that as a production company as well because any director that is you know not based in Canada, if they're not repped in Canada by someone else we can do that with our production company. So I did it a lot as an agency producer and I would work abroad with their production companies. And then now as an executive producer, I can bring those same directors to Canada or I can go to whatever country they're in too, but I can bring those directors to Canada uh, and shoot with them here. So it, it literally gives the creatives the exact spot they want because it's their reference. We're working with the same team. So it works out pretty well. <laughs> what, 
you mentioned how the 30 second earlier, you mentioned the 30 second spot is kind of disappearing. And now it's mostly maybe like the one, two minute one plus the 15 second version. I'm wondering also how, how important is the social media version becoming like by that? I mean, like the nine by 16 uh, aspect ratio version, because a lot of ads you'll still see them in regular 16 by nine but are you guys now focusing more on the nine by 16 version as well are you shooting that are you framing shots specifically for that type of aspect ratio alongside the actual regular shots so it totally depends on the complete media buy um tv is still number one so people will always focus on the tv spot the most um 30 second spots are becoming less and less of a thing. Um, 15 second spots and 10 second bumpers are usually what we're seeing the most for TV these days. So the 15 and the 10 seconds, 69 for TV, those are still hero. But if you don't have that media buy, if it is just a digital spot, most online platforms aren't 69 anymore. So 69 kind of becomes, you know, it's your YouTube spot. It's, you know, your video on demand spot if someone's, you know, watching some sort of platform where an ad plays before. But for the most part, um, it's paid Instagram, paid Facebook, uh, and paid TikTok now is becoming a thing. So, and the really, really tricky thing with that is it's not only just 916 you have to worry about, but also where the usable media spaces so even though you're doing a 916 you know you have to look at on instagram there's that little bar at the bottom where you can type something in and there's the x on the top with your little name so you can't put anything under those things like they're on the edge anyways it's pretty easy tiktok is a whole other thing so tiktok has the entire text blurb at the bottom and then they have the name at the top and then they have the icons all down the side so the usable space is in 916 is like this little blob right here yeah. one by one <laughs> so, basically <laughs> yeah, you're basically back to one by one. So what we're doing a lot of now for digital spots is, you know, whereas before we could get away with shooting on a less expensive, smaller camera, it's digital, we save money that way. Now we're back to shooting it, you know, on the big, like we're shooting a digital spot on a 4K red camera because we have to shoot this wide and then we're going to cut it down and we're going to cut it down and we're going to cut it down. So it becomes all these little tiny tinier spots <laughs> um and what we do is we just you know we'll have vtr on the day and we'll put up bars where you know where the 916 is so we can see what the 69 looks like but we can understand how big the 916 is just to make sure that we're shooting far enough away and we can fit it all in <laughs> but yeah so if your tv spot is still there 69 is your go-to if you're just doing digital 69 four or five or one one and then nine sixteen are kind of all evenly weighted they want all of them the same and you have to pay attention to all of them equally yeah i noticed as soon as we started posting yeah. highlight clips uh, of of this show on on uh instagram reels and tiktok that's when i realized how little space we actually had for our stuff yeah. and i was like oh wait so TikTok we can't use nothing. the full side <laughs> we can't use the bottom the top is like cropped out and it was like oh my god this is so messy and then the thing that really irritates me is that the 9 by 16 on tiktok is slightly different from the 9 by 16 on instagram reels always it's it off it's not the same it's not it's, it's not so the same and i don't it's understand like the logic behind that don't they just copy each other anyways so it's so frustrating because if you look at the TikTok guidelines, it does say it's 916. But when you actually look at the spot on TikTok, because especially with iPhones, that's the screen now like goes up around the camera at the top. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually slightly longer and they don't <laughs> tell you that in the specs. So I've had to like fully redo TikTok spots before because it just it's not the same. So you can't whereas like Facebook and Instagram are very um, similar and integrated like a four or five on Instagram and a four or five on Facebook. Easy peasy. They swap back and forth. Good to go. Um, when you get into the 916s for Instagram versus TikTok, it's two separate deliverables. It's not the same thing. 
it's because they're the same company. Facebook and Instagram are, are the same company. So they're going to make it interchangeable and malleable between uh, their platforms for the content. Whereas TikTok is the new player in town and they're, no. they're messing things up for everybody. <laughs> they're the by their own rules. TikTok's been a really, really interesting one to watch come into the industry because, you know, where Facebook and Instagram are known for being like, I mean, at this point, Facebook is what all of our parents are on to post crazy news articles. Cons but, conspiracies. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Conspiracy but, Central, that's Facebook now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Facebook, oh Lord. Um, but Facebook and Instagram themselves are known for being fairly curated. So a lot of ads, you know, some ads will always be ads and they'll always stand out, but there's a lot more stuff on Facebook and Instagram that you can do that are like high quality that don't seem out of place. So we can use stuff from our actual ads on Facebook and Instagram that don't seem, you know, too, too crazy. But then when you're going through TikTok, TikTok is not a platform that is like curated or, you know, meant for high quality. So it it's been a really tricky thing. You know, we've spent years and years and years explaining to clients, like, we can't just shoot this with an iPhone. Like, it's not going to look as good. And then TikTok came out and now we're like, we should probably shoot this <laughs> with an iPhone. <laughs> like, it's it's just going to perform better if we do. So, um, you know, it's tough. TikTok is kind of its whole other thing. And I don't know if anyone's fully cracked the code of ads performing well on TikTok yet. It's still new. It, the platform is still so new that it's hard for people to kind of figure this out because uh, I mean, Instagram, when it came, it came out, people were just posting photos constantly. Not everyone knew how to market it or, or how oh, to, yeah. how to put advertisements on there. Uh, and yeah, we TikTok were now putting on a filter, putting on a weird border around it. We were like, Oh my God, <laughs> exactly. <it's perfect." laughs> exactly. And now TikTok uh, has really taken the, the organic feel to content uh, very literally in terms of how, how it'll perform with audiences, because that's typically what people look for. People went to Instagram before because people saw a little bit more of the authentic side a little bit uh, in the beginning. And then it became, no, it's because Facebook very... was becoming too convoluted. So that's, it was that's just it, a yeah. nice way to just see people's photos or whatever. Facebook it, was exactly. just getting a little too messy at that point. It, it was very messy and Instagram was a great platform for that. But then people realized very quickly that it was always going to be very much people showing only what they wanted to show very specific. It was almost like a portfolio based platform for a lot of people. And that's now essentially what it's become. And people were looking for some kind of content platform that um, that could be a little bit more authentic. Snapchat was kind of a little bit of that uh, in the beginning. Yeah. And so was, I think, Vine back in the day. Uh, TikTok then, is just a uh, right? longer Vine. That's it's all. It's just is. Vine. Yeah, yeah, it's just Vine. Tic it's nothing. TikTok nothing is Vine, but longer. Yeah, yeah. But longer. Way longer. Like their limits are like ten minutes now. Yeah, that's why. Oh yeah, God. you can post up to like a ten-minute video. I like that it's a little longer because on Instagram Reels it's only up to a minute. So I'm mm -hmm. always struggling to to like shorten the the highlight clips of this show. I gotta like trim them down and trim them down. very <laughs> it's down. a process whereas like on tiktok you just do up to 10 minutes i, I don't know why they don't do, do that in seven seconds or 15 seconds <laughs> yeah yeah do you do you feel though because of because you're starting to create content for for the tiktok platform or so are you guys considering shooting less with the higher end cameras of you know the aries and the alexas to kind of get that more authentic feel with the content or is it still so the standard now on our end, what we've kind of noticed works probably the best is, you know, we still do our regular shoot. We still shoot on the higher end cameras because it works best for obviously best for TV. And then also, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. It looks really nice on the curated reel. But then for TikTok, what we're doing is we're usually bringing out one person specifically to shoot TikTok content because the like it just your standard spots don't work as well on TikTok for two reasons. The first one being seven seconds is the magic number. You want to have a second seven second spot. So if you're doing a 15 second spot, as much as you have 10 minutes on TikTok, seven seconds performs the best. So what kind of content can we do in seven seconds? We should think about that. The other thing being one thing that really draws people to your content 
is using new and upcoming, but also popular audio sounds. So if you're just putting your regular spot in, it's not necessarily going to get, obviously you can pay for the ad space, but if you want to grow that more organically, it's not going to get pushed to people's for you page. If you're not going with specific trends that are already on TikTok. So we would actually bring someone out to film separate content. The other really, really tricky part of it is, you know, usually the process is, okay, the client briefs a creative team on, you know, what they want to do, or like the client works with the strategy team to brief the creative team on what they want to do. The creative team writes some scripts. They go back to client. There's maybe three rounds of revisions. You know, they go back and forth. They finally have a script. Then it goes to production. Then we assign a director and then we do treatments and then we do pre-production and then we shoot and then we spend another month editing and then it goes to traffic and then it goes out. So, you know, end to end, you're looking at months and months and months of work. And if you were to start that brief with, so there's this viral video on TikTok that we really want to do something for. And then you're putting it out, like, let's say best case scenario, three months later, you're done. <laughs> like, great job. You, you didn't do it. Yeah, you got to so, be quick. You got to churn up content like right away, like today so and, then, and tomorrow, another one. So fast. So what we've been doing that we find works a little bit better is basically we go to the shoot day knowing we want to do TikTok content and maybe having some ideas, but we don't have an ass like a signed off script for TikTok. So like the spot is signed off on, you know, we've done the casting, we've done the locations all based on, you know, your bigger commercial spot or your Instagram or Facebook or whatever. The day of, the morning of, we sit down and we go through some of the things that are just starting to be viral right now. Like what are those ones that are like just starting to hit that we think could work? We'll film stuff to go with that on the day. And then we edit it out and send it out a week later because a week is maybe an okay timeline, whereas three months just isn't. So, you know, it's a lot less being prepared <laughs> and a little more rolling with the punches, which is the exact opposite we do for everything else. <laughs> but it tends to work a little bit better and you can still kind of get on some of those trends if you're willing to, you know, roll with it a little bit. I've also done some stuff for some clients where um, we knew they wanted to do like a few different TikTok videos. We had some ideas of some stuff they liked, but knew that we probably wouldn't hit the trend. Um, we just casted two people just for the TikTok stuff. And then we just spent a whole day filming all sorts of different TikTok videos based on different TikTok trends. And then we presented, you know, 15 different TikTok videos to the client, they picked the four or five that they liked. So that way it's like, you're not necessarily signing off on, you know, the script in advance, you're almost signing it off on it in the end. Um, and we just kind of did a, okay, you know, our shoot day will, here's the cost for the shoot day. It'll get you automatically three TikTok videos are included in this, anything above and beyond that, you know, it's 500 bucks for us to deliver the extra TikTok videos. So that the, way it's kind of like buffet style, pick and choose what you want. The, the reason for that is because the, with, with trend, with internet trends, you can never really pre-production it that well, that it will actually turn out exactly what you're thinking. Because with all these trends, you know, there's these different dances, there's these different uh, lip sync uh, uh, type songs. And sometimes you just have to do it and see if it works or it doesn't work. It either does or it doesn't. There's no oh, it's, it's not bad, you know, maybe we, it's a little bit okay, we could kind of use it. But uh, it's a very good strategy where you guys came up with putting together 10 to 15 different TikToks to see what kind of works, see what works with the brand that you're working with, and then they can choose which ones will be uh, executed online. And you have to do it quick. We found that no matter at what stage in your career you are, whether you're doing $10,000 projects, $100,000 projects, or a million dollar projects, you have to be so nimble and you have to you have to be able to adapt to what it is. And TikTok has really forced even the big players, such as your studio, to adapt to these uh, new changes that are happening. Oh, for sure. It's every new platform that comes out, we change every time. Like, could you imagine working on ads back in the day when they did like one million dollar TV spot a year and then called it a day? They were like, great, good job, everyone. <laughs> We did All it. All right, we're good. <laughs> yeah. And now we're doing like, you know, 
a TV spot every quarter, but then also social content every quarter, if not more. Most brands have something called like always on social, which means they post something every week to their social account, whether that be, you know, something, some stock footage with some text on it or um, some old spots or, you know, an image from the store or whatever, if they're a brand that has a store. They post something every week now and they have to. And like, we have to keep up with that. So I would like to go back to the day where it was just <laughs> one big giant commercial a year, but it's not going to happen. I think it's only going to get more and more spread out, especially now that the metaverse is becoming a thing. <laughs> I am so interested in that. <laughs> Are you guys getting oh involved with Facebook's uh, metaverse? Like, is there any, any project currently in the works? To an extent, um, we haven't fully shot anything for it yet. So we're still figuring stuff out. Um, but we do have like a VR team and all that kind of stuff. So we do have some stuff. We're like doing tests for different clients and stuff like that, just because it'll be interesting. I, I have to say I was a little bit skeptical until I got a VR system. And now I'm like, wow, I will just be in this for the rest of my life. It's so cool. <laughs> I found that I got dizzy after being in, in some of those VR sets after a while. I, I oh, don't know. Really? <laughs> I always find I'm always like, okay, like I'll play whatever game or do whatever. And then I'll go to take the headset off. And I'm like, I expect just like the text to disappear, but I'm obviously still in, you know, the Mayan village that it's got me in, in the game. And then I take my headset. I'm like, all right, I'm in my own living room. What a letdown. <laughs> Yeah, I the the whole thing it just cracks me up how we went from oh don't stay too close to the TV to now we just have it like right in yeah. our right eyes. to the eyes. <laughs> it will be on your face now. <laughs> the whole wild. Facebook metaverse thing though, I'm I don't know. I have I think it's gonna be a dud. Like the barriers to entry are just too high for it. Like I mean, it's not like you could just you gotta get the headset, and then you gotta put it on, and then you are you really gonna wear that the whole time? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Like they've had, well, the thing like had your barriers. there's been you like gotta VR headsets. You got to put it on. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Like there's been like VR headsets for a while now. There's a lot of games that are out on it. Like I, I still haven't seen it gone viral. Yeah. Because you know? we tried, we tried the 360 thing when it was just coming out. 360 everybody thought different. 360. Three, Carol, 360 is different. I, I know, but it's different it from that... VR. Like, but I think yeah. AR might definitely take, might be like the next big thing. VR, I think it's still. Still way it's still building for sure. I think we're definitely we're not there yet. Um, I think the big like thing for me was over Christmas this last year. We brought our VR set home when we went home for Christmas to like our parents and stuff. Uh my parents bought a VR set the next week. <laughs> they well, love it. So much. And how I feel like if like 60-year-olds are that into it, <laughs> how much was it? You know? How much was a headset? Uh, I think it's like 400 bucks. So you do have to be able to afford the $400 headset, but as the technology increases and that cost starts to come down. So they're coming out with things now too, where you can do the VR, but it's actually your phone. Like, so it's like just a case that like holds your phone and the whole thing works. So I think once we get to the stage where it's literally just your phone and you can have a, just a strap, that's like 20 bucks. I think that's when it's really going to kick off. But but the thing is, they've had that uh, that they've had that thing for a while because they first introduced yeah. that with the, with 360, the 360 video back video, in the yeah. day. So one thing we learned uh, when we were first getting into it, uh, we thought 360 video would be also the the next big thing. Everyone did. Uh, remember 2016? You saw someone with a 360 rig at every event every possible. Event. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was doing it, and and we were uh, we were doing it. We tried it with a few clients, and yeah, it is cheaper to get that. Uh, that mask and the phone. But the funny thing is, it's hard enough to get people to watch your content these days anyway, to add more steps for them to do it. That is the challenge. That is what yeah, we learned. And I think now that Facebook is in and like, it's a whole thing. And now that, you know, I wait till Apple gets into it. When Apple yeah, gets, yeah, Apple it, gets into it, like, cause Facebook is it. like, like we said before, Facebook is already for old people anyways. Like the young yeah. kids are already onto the new stuff. So I, I don't like, know if they're I not really a trendsetter. Yeah, it's not a trendsetter I think it's anymore. definitely still growing. Like, I think you're right. Like, it's not there yet. Like, you, it, you're not going to get nearly enough views if you're doing VR stuff yet, unless you're, like, the right client. 
but I think it will get there. It's niche, too niche at the moment. It's it's <laughs> okay. Very we'll make niche. a bet right now, and we'll touch base in ten years, and we'll see. <laughs> like I, I'm sure VR will take off in the future for sure. It will. But it will. I don't think Facebook's gonna be the one that. Not hey, it was thanks no. to them. It went like <laughs> no, no, no. no I just no. think it's getting I, uh, more talked about now because yeah. Facebook is in. So like it, it's so much word of mouth. Like Facebook is a big company. Everyone, all of our parents are on Facebook. They know Facebook. So like the more people start to find out about stuff and the different stuff that exists, it's just going to keep growing. And I think Facebook is like a step in that. The only thing that uh, also confirms what Dario and I are saying is that the second they mentioned the metaverse, their whole market share just plummeted. <laughs> so it I wasn't don't know. Anything like, I mean, special. numbers don't lie. <laughs> Listen, the thing about the metaverse that cracked me up was that it wasn't anything special. Like, for example, in crypto, like that's been a thing for like over a year now. There's mana, there's the central end, there's the other one. I don't know. The other one's too shit to mention. It oh, San oh there's Sandbox Apple. and the Central Land that, that have been doing a lot of stuff in the metaverse. Plus, I mean, there's been other metaverses before, right? Like there's the biggest one is uh, Minecraft. That's the biggest metaverse yeah. out there. <laughs> they were like touting it like it's like, oh, my God, guys, we came up with a brilliant idea. It's totally <laughs> new. <laughs> it's called the metaverse. It's, it's like, yeah, that's been around for a while, buddy. <laughs> it's all still really complicated. And I think too many words like people are like, you know, I don't even know what that is. How would I even figure that out? But I think slowly over time, and like as the next generation comes up, because they're more used to it, because it makes more sense to them, I think we will start to see a little bit of a shift. It won't be our generation, at least. That's what I think. I don't <laughs> think it'll be. I don't think it'll be our generation. We'll be the old people that our I think kids we'll are be getting. like our parents in the metaverse, <laughs> being like, you know, how do I log on to the Facebook? <laughs> or the Meta. The Meta. Yeah. No, you know what? It'll be the Apple. I'm still calling Apple. it. It'll be Apple. Not listen. Not I want those. Uh, apple ar glasses that they've been teasing us with for the last 10 I years know. like that ar for sure is gonna be like cool as hell that i can yeah. get behind easily and it's pretty easy to yeah. implement someone just needs to figure out like the uh some type of glasses for it and it'll work i remember i remember like 10 years ago google came up with something like that it was like these like yeah the google glasses google, I google glasses yeah. those are cool <laughs> those are really cool i keep getting ads right now for uh ray-bans that have a little camera in them so they like yeah, film I've your day those. if you're like an influencer or whatever i'm like well wasn't that know. like the snapchat thing <laughs> wasn't there like a snapchat thing where like Probably. you could you could just record your snaps this was Probably. A, a while ago no i remember this i don't know <laughs> there have been ideas there have been ideas like this for a while there was this there was that youtube uh, creator casey neistat who had this like other app idea i think it was called beam or something where he like puts the phone there and just records his day very similar to that so the that's u.s like government loved him that. for that by the way oh yeah. they did they bought him out very quickly <laughs> like i would just feel bad if i was recording my whole day because like it's so boring it's just like me sitting at a computer <laughs> Like, you're welcome. <laughs> this is how fun I am. <laughs> you know what you said earlier that uh, I had a, 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 a thing it was funny was that you mentioned that seven seconds is the magic number. And I was thinking, how funny is it that we've gone for like, from like one minute is great to 30 seconds is great to 15 to seven. And I was thinking, we're going, we're going to say, we're going to go down to one second. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a photo. Just post yeah. a photo. That's all we need. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but. I like we're we're lucking out on the video side for whatever reason on social media um short video content does better than stills oh yeah so is. yeah it performs better when? So, two seconds three seconds yeah, you get two seconds like just do gifts all right Let, let's yeah. just do gifts already we know where GIFs this is are going great. <laughs> GIFs are great cinemagraphs perfect like they just want like graphs <laughs> yeah oh my god I thought about those. Those. <laughs> yeah a ton of cinemagraphs just all those requests like those perform actually better than still so that'll that'll be what we'll end up doing for the next 10 years people want to see movement when they're scrolling when you're scrolling the thing that will catch your eye is not so much images anymore it's now if you see movement right so that's that's maybe like one of the first things that will catch people's attention so yeah i mean it's funny vine died for some reason but we're going back to that format according to you with the seven <laughs> seconds yeah. so it's we're, like, just bring back vine back we're going back to Vine. And then anything with a human face or anything with like a cute dog, that is like yeah. tops. 
So any really see video of a human face with a dog, you've cracked the code. Carol, all of our videos from now on just have to have a human face and a dog in the corner just, just to increase our metrics. Yeah, literally just in the corner. <laughs> just in the corner. <laughs> Oh, we just do like in Fight Club, we just flash it for like half a second. Yes. yes. <laughs> Dog face. <laughs> Dog face. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> you still for creators grab coffee. Yeah. <laughs> How funny Marketing. would that be though if we just start throwing like subliminal messages in our videos and our clients are like, wow, I love it. I don't know why, but I really love this. <laughs> Adopt the dog today. <laughs> Oh my god! It's perfect. <laughs> I'm at, we're we're now roughly coming up to uh, the one hour mark already. Uh, you know, wow. it's been a, honestly a great conversation. We don't we don't want to take too much more of your time, but what you mentioned you've uh, shot and produced projects all over the world at this point. So, like, what would you say is your favorite place that you've been able to visit as a result of that? I mean, Uruguay was the latest one, so that one's like fresh on my mind. I absolutely loved it. It was. I didn't. Sometimes when you go somewhere, you know how like the food's a little different or like the amenities are a little different. And you're like, by the time you're done, you're like excited to get home. Um, Uruguay for me was like, you know, steak is universal. So that was fine. Uh, the food was really great. The uh, It really, really reminded me of like, if, you know, Western Europe and LA had a baby, it would be Uruguay. It's like Europe with palm trees and beaches. Um, so I really, really did like it there. Um, oh gosh. I have also shot all across Canada for whatever reason. I multiple, multiple, multiple times I've shot in Moncton, New Brunswick. So shout out to Moncton. It's lovely. Everyone there is super nice. <laughs> um, and then it's also really nice shooting in the UK. They have a really great, um, like they have a huge pool of, you know, directors and talent and all that kind of stuff. So the, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The like market in the UK or like the industry in the UK is phenomenal. Like they are so, so, so good. So I think those would probably be, <laughs> those are my top three definitely including Moncton <laughs> the one benefit of shooting in the UK is that you never have to worry about harsh sunlight you know you have one big perfect you gotta be careful with those DPs especially because they have perfect lighting outside all the time all the time it's just always overcast it's, it's perfect just to do your due diligence with those guys <laughs> yeah super 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 great amazing well, Maddie, thanks again for joining us on the show. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep in touch and uh, we'll, we'll touch base again in 10 years and see the where yeah. we're at with the VR world. Yeah, I'm probably going to end up having to eat my words, so I'm very sorry. But... See you in the metaverse. <laughs> yeah. See you in the metaverse. I don't All right. metaverse, just another verse. <laughs> another verse. Okay. That, that's one. That's Apple another verse. verse. We're going Apple we'll there. Maybe this TGC verse one day, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Signing off on the next verse, guys. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>